Today in Flex in the City, we talk to Craig Blair, country head of Franklin Templeton, Luxembourg, as he shares authentic insights from the heart on success, resilience, and the transformative power of diverse leadership in financial services industries worldwide. All that happening right now in Flex and the City. Hello, everybody. This is Rachel Treese for Flex and the City. And today we have our first guest who was born in Northern Ireland. His name is Craig Blair, and he's the country head of Franklin Templeton in Luxembourg. Craig, it's a real delight to have you on Flex and the City. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Rachel. Pleasure to be here. Wonderful. So, Craig, you were born in Northern Ireland. Tell me a little bit about your journey, your childhood, and you know your journey to coming here in Luxembourg. I'm very curious. Thank you. I'm a British citizen. I'm also an Irish citizen. So in, in Northern Ireland, we're lucky enough to be able to, to have both passports. Mm. Um, I was born into a middle-class family. Uh, my father was a marine engineer in a way, working at sea for a lot of my childhood. So he would typically spend nine months or six months away at sea from my mother and us children so you can you can understand my mother was a pretty tough woman by the end of that so it was very hard for her bringing up three kids uh, eventually Mm -hmm. and you know just having that pain of having her husband away we did you know have that opportunity when I was very young to spend about a year traveling around the Middle East and Asia um, going deep sea with P&O in Northern Ireland, then growing up as a child, I grew up during the conflict that they call the Troubles. Yeah. Um, I was in a town slightly protected from from the, most of it, but you know there were regular police and army patrols, towns being closed off at night because of fear of bombing, media censorship, and all that just was normal life for me as a child. You know, you used to log onto the news and just hear about these atrocities and these things that were happening and not really understanding the background and why, but it just became you know, part of life and unfortunately uh, continued for far too long. Mm. Uh, and then I guess when I got to the, the university years, like mm. a lot of uh, people in my position in Northern Ireland, they call it the brain drain. We, we sort of leave Northern Ireland. We left to either go to Scotland or England or Wales or the Republic of Ireland to university. Um, I chose to go to Leicester University in England. Mm-hmm. Uh, I studied and did my honours degree in law. Um, and that was a real coming of age for me. Leicester was such a multicultural place. So they've got huge Indian and Pakistani communities. And it was mm-hmm. just very vibrant. And then as I came out of university, it was coming into the time of the, the Good Friday Agreement back in Northern Ireland. And so it was a real time of hope and opportunity for people. I, I decided to stay in England for eight years altogether. Um, I trained as a management accountant at Mercedes-Benz in the UK. I sort of launched with marketing the smart car, launched the Maybach and a number of Mercedes-Benz vehicles. And then I, I sort of moved on up the value chain to the German conglomerate Henkel and you know finished my accountancy qualification there. Mm. I came to Luxembourg then in 2004 after qualifying as an accountant mm. and get married. And then you joined Franklin Templeton and I, I started as a financial reporting accountant and 13 years later I sort of progressed up through the hierarchy and very very um, pleased and 
gratified to be appointed country head uh, of of the entity uh, and Franklin Templeton in Luxembourg. So I'm I'm here now today. I'm a conducting officer. I've been country head for six years, and I sit on the the boards of several different entities within Franklin Templeton. Also in 2019, I was really fortunate enough to be asked to you know, succeed Denise Voss on the Alfie board to be elected to that board. So that's been a great passion of mine, getting involved in Alfie and, and supporting the industry as well. Uh, you know, and I, as I think back over those 19 years, Franklin Templeton and in Luxembourg, just the opportunities I've had, it's been a really fantastic career path for me, you know, traveling globally, getting immersed in various projects and responsibilities for the firm. So, you know, the ability to go to India, to Eastern Europe, South Africa, Brazil, across the US, just different experiences and cultures that you you meet. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a period for six years where I sat here in, in an office in Luxembourg, and although I was based here, I didn't have responsibility for any Luxembourg business. I was really responsible for teams in other global regions and got to learn about those different practices and cultures and customs. So that was that was a great time. Um, and then on the personal side, you know, I, uh, you know, after we got married, we came here, um we uh, we tried to have children but it, it sadly wasn't to be for us so we started the adoption process uh in 2010 wow. with the red cross and that was very painful you know after after you know, that news of not being able to have children mm-hmm. uh, we you know set out on that adoption process with the red cross and it took 7 years before we really received any news um but really lucky in the end to have you know been presented with this portfolio of this beautiful little two-year-old girl so we went out to Bulgaria and saw the conditions that the sort of children had to had to live in in the orphanages which wasn't wasn't fantastic but you know just seeing those children and how much they wanted family and parents it was a real really life-changing experience for both of us that was in late 2016 and you know now she's been with us for seven years and she's in a very amazing nine-year-old girl Fantastic. And what's her name, Craig? Her name is Steta. Steta, wonderful. Wonderful. Bulgarian name, yeah. So I've got so many questions for you with your permission. I don't know where to start now. You've you've flummoxed me. Let's start by saying, talking about how maybe your childhood has impacted you as a a leader uh, and maybe what you learned from that geopolitical challenge in in Northern Ireland, the Troubles. What did that give you as a leader, do you think? In hindsight, it's probably a hindsight reflection. You you grow up, you hear what people Mm -hmm. are saying in in your community. Don't get me wrong, we we weren't in the the worst trouble spots, but Mm -hmm. you're sort of conditioned by what people say and what the media say. And I think it's only when I came away from, from that environment and you know, was able to see how people were living elsewhere, that you, your mind opened up and you were able to reflect and see how things could be done differently. Um, and, you know, luckily enough in Northern Ireland, they had that, that process with uh, Clinton and Blair and Hume and Trimble. Mm. And it was that time for change. We needed that change. It's such a great country, great people, but has just been suffering. So, I think it was just that that learning point that if you know you give people a chance, if you're open-minded, and if you give people equal opportunities, mm. then people can succeed and everybody can succeed for the better. 
that was that was the real point for me. So I'm curious with now, you know, status part of your family and with that background, you know, how has that impacted your perhaps your purpose as a leader and the work that you're doing in, in Franklin Templeton and perhaps wider, Craig? Yeah, I mean, people say to me, what, why does a middle-aged, grey-haired man care about diversity and inclusion? Um, it really stems from several inputs. I mean, what, one of them is that life experience, just the ability to give people opportunity and help them succeed. We want to create a better world for everybody. You know, when I took over as country head in Franklin Templeton, there was some things we needed to address in terms of you know, gender diversity, in terms of representation from different communities. So we've we've made great strides in terms of you know, looking at how we grow succession plans and pipelines of talent to be representative and, and be more inclusive. I think the firm itself is a fantastic example of diversity inclusion. We've got um, our CEO, Jenny Johnson. This mm. is a, a who's had five children, but is oh. you, know, a, you know, a very successful CEO who travels the world, who lives and breathes both you know, the company, but also inclusion at its very highest. So you know, we've got in the firm different business resource groups, as we call them. So one for gender, one for ability, one for veterans, one for uh, the Spanish community. I could go on and on and on. One for pride. You know, it's very much thinking about how do we represent ourselves externally to the world in terms of you know, being inclusive and being a place where we want people to come and be their authentic selves and work as their authentic selves, be representative of the client base we want to be investing in our products. So we've we've um, joined the diversity charter in Luxembourg mm-hmm. in the last years. We also signed up to the Women in Finance Charter just this year. That was something that I was very passionate about doing. And the Minister of Finance met with Jenny Johnson mm-hmm. in New York, and they, they discussed that. And we're very passionate about being part of that. Um, we also um, have recently been one of the founding members of Diversity Project Europe, and I've been lucky enough to be asked be an advisory council member. So that's a, a group. It started originated in the UK and we've been part of that for the last five years at least, where they've really tried to advance the uh, diversity agenda in the UK. And then they've asked, you know, can we create a European chapter? So there's eight firms that have signed up initially to find that. And we want to be the organization that is the, the forefront of diversity across Europe. Um, we've got three objectives on that and it's firstly gender diversity Mm. secondly inclusive workspace and then three social mobility and really advancing those causes doing research around that and then bringing that research output to the financial services industry i love that so so my daughter she's 17 years old she's at high school in, in in luxembourg she's studying economics what do you think the industry, and I know that you're on the board of Alfie. What do you think the industry needs to be doing to attract youngsters like my daughter to want to come into the industry? What do you think? What more can be done? Yeah, I think I think the industry has a poor image. I think we need as leaders to go out and better advocate and show and demonstrate how we can be an attractive industry for the young people coming into the workplace. That starts with going to the schools and to the universities and 
starting to think about how we craft programs that make it interesting then for them to understand what financial service is about and the good it can do. You know, we're here really to represent the investor and really um, crystallize their life dreams and make their dreams come true in terms of financial outcomes. So really about you know getting better financial education out there to the young people, understanding what we're trying to achieve by being in financial services, and then understanding what types of roles are out there and how the industry is developing and changing. You know, we have been, and I, you know, I remember Michael Fox, uh, I, I was mm. working with Michael on the apprenticeship program that, yeah. that he had, and we took on an apprentice here in Franklin Templeton. But we've continued to have dialogues with, uh, the authorities here in Luxembourg, the ministry, on how can we build programs to increase you know, education within schools. We're also talking to the university within Alfie, talking to the university about how to deliver graduate programs, mm. master programs that would uh, would support um, young people coming into the workplace. So I think it's it's really about getting that education out there. Al- Alfie's also been very good, and I'll I'll just highlight the work of Valeria Merkel at KPMG. Yeah. Ralphie doing her next generation uh, initiative and getting young people within organizations together to talk about different topics and subject matter and also getting um, people to go out to universities and talk about what Luxembourg's about but what's that what financial services is about as well. Well that's so it's sounding really really positive I, I feel quite excited by some of the things that you're saying um, Craig I've got a question for you around another part of diversity, which is about diversity of thinking as well. So I do a lot of work with with boards and obviously general diversity is important, but I'm also quite passionate about diversity of thinking. I'm just wondering what, what your your own thoughts are on, on that as a topic and its importance. We've sat down in the last two years within Franklin Templeton and had a working group just looking at that that topic, and it's been more really from that, I think the gender perspective, but I think it will develop into you know having different categories of diversity mm. on, on the boards. But really looking at our corporate and fund boards as they stand today, and how do we get better representation on them? So you can look at the pipeline of uh, mm. talent that's coming through, and who would be a good individual to train and get the experience ready for them to become a board member in the future. We we did look at individuals and as board opportunities have arisen, then you move certain people into positions to make sure there was better representation. But you know it needs to go through age demographics as well. We can't have just the same age profile of people on boards. It needs to be represented above age demographics. It needs to be representative of uh, race and ethnicity, of social mobility um, and, and gender and you know, disability. So we're, we're taking a look at that and seeing how we can build that better into our fit, fit and proper policies and our board appointment policies. Um, and we've done a lot of work in that sense. And then for the training, it's about how do you create that, um, that succession strategy? So making sure that those individuals you identify as potential talent, giving them the right training. So looking around Europe at what training programs exist, looking at um, different internal training programs, etc. And then even within the local entity, um, the management company here, you know, just 
when we meet as an executive committee, we're, we're looking at the next level of middle management talent and bringing them in on secondment rotations to give them the experience of executive committee and understanding what he was discussed yeah. and give them actions and stretch targets off the back of that. So that's been something we've had in, in play for what the last four years, I would say. And that's been really beneficial both to us and to the individuals concerned. So we get something out of it as a management team and mm. uh, and they you know get the stretch targets and, and feel empowered by being able to do that. I also think mentoring is really important. Mm. So to any young person out there, I would say you know one of the first things you do is ask for a mentor. Um, it's been invaluable to me, and especially coming into the country head role, I went out to various people in the industry and asked if if they would mentor me. Um, it's you, you should have a mentor at every stage of your life because there's always something something you can learn from people. So people like Marty Dobbins, people like Chris Edge have been invaluable to me. Big shout out to Marty and Chris. Thank you. That's okay. great. As a leader, what would you say that that you stand for as a as a leader, Craig, and 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 how do you facilitate growth in in people around you? Yeah, I think it's um, really about being able to adapt to the individual. I'm I'm a great believer in the power of the team. So individuals, if they come into the team, the, the sum of the parts can be greater than the individuals, and it's being able to adapt to each individual's need and you. Know, Sometimes you need to be empathetic. Sometimes you need to stretch. Uh, and, and obviously those people you know, can be willing to you know, have a career path and, and want to advance. Some of them are less, want, you know, less needy in terms of wanting to develop their career and be promoted, etc. So you've got, to, you've got to evaluate your people and get the best out of the team in that sense. And it's really about, you know, getting to them to a place where you empower them and make their sort of career what they want it to be and giving them that opportunity. So I've I've been very focused on that and getting the right team in place, bringing in the right people uh, and just giving them those sort of opportunities to go out and network in the industry, be the point persons for Franklin's relationships with different societies, et cetera. Um, And then, you know, I think we – as a leader, I'm, I'm empathetic. You know, we, we, we learn through our experiences. We learn through failure, and I've failed many times. It's about failing fast and learning from that and then yeah. keep trying and understanding what went wrong and calibrating and getting people directionally cracked um, to be able to succeed. Um, so that's, that's where I come from as a leader. Absolutely. And just in your own life and observations of either world leaders, you know, in particular, again, the troubles or other things either in the corporate world, has, has there been a leader that has really in, inspired you or, or that you go, wow, you know, they did an amazing job with what was going on at the, at the time? I mean, the one that always stands out is Nelson Mandela for me. Um, mm-hmm. I think maybe several people have probably said that to you in the past, but he was such a statesman um, to endure what he went through in life, but then understand how the the other, you know, the other elements of South African society, um, you know, what their needs and wants were and what their fears were, and just being able to embrace that and bring people together. I think he was just such a statesman, and you know, we we don't have many of them today. We need more of them. But how he brought that country together and you know, even the greatest leaders around the world viewed him as the one true statesman, global statesman. That's the sort of 
the person that you would look to. I was I was really fortunate, unfortunate, but I was I was in Johannesburg when he passed away, and just mm. the feeling in Johannesburg at that moment, you got swept away with it. So you know there was the, the sort of complete silence and shock of what had happened, but then very quickly, within a day or two, the sort of queues and the people queuing outside his house, and then the singing and the the emotion on the street. It was it was a very powerful time. And then you can translate that to, to Northern Ireland and what happened with the peace process, how you know, Trimble and Hume came together, you know, two very different sides of the community, but you know, knowing that they needed to make a change for people's future after 30 years of conflict. And you know, these weren't these weren't extremists, these were these were sensible politicians, but trying to bridge gaps and bring the very extreme uh, sides together to have that discussion. So what they achieved with Clinton and, and Blair and mm. the Irish government of the time, Bertie Hearn, uh, it was it was phenomenal. Absolutely. And so if I was to give you an invitation, um, Craig, to be the statesman for the financial services industry today, and you had a magic wand as well, um, what is it that you, you, you'd love to be putting in place for this, in, this great industry? Well, it's a really difficult time in the industry. You know, it's probably the most difficult time, I would say, in, since the global financial crisis 2008. We need leaders to be seen and to be present. I think there need to be people who stand out and, and speak up. And, you know, I think there needs to be some realisation that, that there is change needed. I think there needs to be leaders with conviction and, and people with accountability. But really, it's it's about... It's about being seen and being present for the industry and driving the things that we're talking about, you know, inclusiveness, society, and getting back to a point where you are trying to achieve those objectives in these difficult cost of living crisis times of, of getting performance, getting value for investors, and being able to help people through this, this difficult period, um, and, and ultimately getting them to their longer term retirements and you're fulfilling those dreams. So I, I think it's really just trying to, to, to be seen, be present and bring the next generation through. ESG is obviously a huge focus. We've got, we're at a critical point in terms of the world, in terms of climate and social responsibility. So making sure that those measures and regulations are effective and they work and they're you know robust enough and also putting into place good regulation. There's been plenty of regulation in the, in the past few years that maybe didn't fulfill its objectives. So it's not wasting people's time with putting in these ineffective policies, et cetera. It's about really making impact for the good. And I think that's, that's how it will work. Very good. So, so, Craig, when you're not being an amazing leader or an amazing dad or husband, what is it that you love to do outside of financial services? What, what is it? Yeah, I mean, I'm, when I when I get time, there isn't much time. But I mean, it's travel. We used to travel a lot in the in the sort of seven years between you know starting the adoption process and the adoption uh, actually coming through with Sveta. We travelled religiously, so we went all around the world, my wife and I. So we still we still enjoy travel a lot as a family. Food. Um, I'm a big foodie. Uh, I love uh, food across the world. Yeah, I mean, pe- people wouldn't not guess that if they looked at me. But uh, I love food. I'm a really passionate rugby fan. So I'm an Irish and long-suffering Ulster rugby fan. And I really, really, uh, it's, it's something that goes back to boyhood. Um, played at school. Uh, and then, you know, I can't play anymore through injury. But 
I, I avidly follow it. And then music, I've always, you know, been a keen listener of music. I'm not a musician as such, but uh, I, I love listening to music and hearing what new music's coming through, etc. Fantastic. So, so I'm, I'm going to go with the rugby mm-hmm. um, and ask you, you know, I mean, rugby is an amazing again. The, the hooligans jet game for gentlemen, I think, is that right? Something that, like that. that. Right. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Um, so, what is it that financial services could truly learn from from that incredible game? I think it's how a team can, you know, succeed if all the component parts and all the players do their bit well. Um, so we've got such a fabulous ecosystem with him financial services, but there's lots of opportunity for for making it better and more cost effective. So, you know, things like blockchain digitalization, there's huge opportunity, but we've got such legacy systems and technology out there that, you know, there's going to be disruption if we don't adapt and move quickly to bring some of these digital tools, uh, blockchain tools in. And I think if you look at a team like South Africa that won the World Cup, I would I would argue that you know they don't they didn't necessarily have the best players. Uh, mm. That I mean, a few controversial comments coming back on that from some sports. <laughs> but as a team, they were absolutely the best. You know, they played they each of them played their part perfectly, and they were seamless and they worked as a unit together. And I just think the whole value chain within financial services, as a metaphor, can learn from that. I think you know there's too many legacy processes and policies and systems out there that we could just change. It takes investment, but for the longer term, it's it's going to be better for us all. Um, and you know, bringing more, sort less cost but more performance to to uh, shareholders' products. Um, I think that's important where we need to focus our attention. Right. Blair, honestly, I'm absolutely humbled. Thank you so much for being with us on Flex in the City. It's been a fabulous and humbling conversation. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thanks, Rachel. You just listened to Flex in the City. Catch us on our next episode.